and welcome to another edition of the Leaders Performance Podcast, which is brought to you today by our main partners, Kaiser. My name is John Porch. I'm the editor at the Leaders Performance Institute, and I hope you are well wherever you are listening to this in the world. Today, my guest is John Wagle, who until very recently served as the Kansas City Royals Director of Performance Science and Player Development. In fact, I caught up with him on his penultimate day in the job before he takes up a position at Notre Dame. John spent four years with the Royals, three in this role and one as their minor league strength and conditioning coordinator. And over the course of the next 30 minutes or so, we delve into the team's culture, player development and how technology can be integrated into those player development programs. He was great company and I'm sure you'll enjoy this chat. But before we get into the conversation, I wanted to let Leaders Performance Institute members know about some forthcoming virtual roundtables. Up first, we have a member case study with Leaders Performance Advisor Bobby Scales on July the 12th, where the aforementioned Bobby will explore the application of learning. Then, on the 4th of August, we turn our attention to strategic leadership and that age-old performance question of today versus tomorrow. Then, on the 11th of August, Leaders Performance Advisor Dave Fletcher kicks off the first of a three-part performance support series looking at how teams can evolve their culture. Exciting stuff, there's no doubt about it. And remember, if you're a member as part of a team membership, you can attend all of our events. And if you'd like to attend and you're not a member, please inquire about joining at leadersinsupport.com. And now, on with the show. John, you told me offline that you've been at the Royals for four years and in your current role, Director of Performance Science and Player Development, for three years. How have you found that role? And what does your role entail? Uh, it's probably one of the most rewarding chapters of my professional life to work for this great organization. The Royals have treated me really well. Uh, the culture is incredible. Uh, the leadership is incredible. The opportunities to collaborate are second to none. You know, Because of that, I've been able to grow and I've been able to do a lot of really good work with a lot of really good people. So the, the role currently is positioned primarily within our player development system. So I, I provide sports science support, uh, mostly through technology integration and just helping align whatever processes we have through collaborative efforts to what's best practice in those areas. So again, I, I work alongside nutrition, strength conditioning, behavioral science, field staff, you name it, just to try to help our players get better and reach their ceiling and win some championships and sustain that excellence for the long term. It sounds multifaceted and I wonder, at the same time, has it been an opportunity for leadership and personal development on your part? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, when you have the past few years go the way that they have between COVID, uh, we had an ownership change. Minor League Baseball had a lot of changes with contraction. I had a front row seat to a lot of the most capable, dynamic leaders I've ever been exposed to. They taught me a ton in terms of what it means to be accountable, uh, what it means to care for people, what it means to do the right thing, what it means to make really hard decisions. Leadership is tough. And uh, and these J.J. Piccolo, Dayton Moore, John Sherman, uh, our owner, uh, they, they've all been incredible in showing me the right way to lead. And has there been anything that surprised you about your role in these past three years? Yeah, I, I grew up in baseball. I played 
and you know you think walking into a sport that you're you're that familiar with that you'll have it all figured out and that you'll know exactly what to do and how to do it but uh, the complexity of baseball and the evolution of baseball is um, probably unlike anything we've ever seen in sport. And uh, and because of that, I, I've learned a ton and, and just had to do more learning and listening than anything, probably. It's interesting to hear you talk about listening. And if you reflect on the last three years in particular, how important was it to come in and have an immediate impact? Or was it more important to take a back seat, listening to what was going on within the clubhouse before implementing any kind of process change? Ultimately, leadership and the support that we can provide, whether you're in a leadership position or not, but leadership is about influence. It's not necessarily about who takes the most action or you know does anything in that regard. We need to be precise in the processes that we're rolling out, how we're doing it, with whom, um, you know, all of those things are factors. And so I am still pretty young and I make a lot of these mistakes and I'm ambitious and that, that leads me down <laughs> a, a wrong path uh, on occasion because I, I want to help and I want to uh, make things as, as good as they can be. But at, at the end of the day, I, I've learned a ton from the people around here about finding the right time, the right opportunity so that we can have the biggest impact. Because when we've got that buy-in, when we've got that influence, that's the right time for, for something like this. So I've learned a great deal in terms of patience, mostly from learning from the people that I work alongside on a day-to-day basis, because that's certainly not my default setting. <laughs> <laughs> and with some of that in mind, how do you work to develop relationships with coaches and players? Yeah, it's probably things that other people have said on this. Uh, I don't think that anybody works in sport, makes the sacrifices that it takes to work in sport if we don't genuinely care about the student athletes, about the players, about the staff that we support. These are relationships that are usually beyond professional. Uh, you know, we care about these people's families and how their lives go outside of this sport. Um, and with the amount of hours that we spend, it's pretty reasonable that they become family-like to us. And so that, that relationship building is really deeply rooted in good intentions and knowing that we're going to support each other no matter what. It doesn't necessarily by any means uh, mean that we're always going to get along other that we're always going to agree that's 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 kind of part of it too this is a really stressful environment and uh, being able to give people that grace to deal with those stresses and to deal with whatever it is that they're going to like that's important and uh and so having all of that empathy and having all of that perspective uh is really the foundation of any relationship building that you're going to engage in in sport and if you could go back in time and speak to yourself on day one at the Royals, what advice would you give yourself? Hmm, good question. You know, I, I think that calling back to your question a couple questions ago, I, I think if I could have taken a step back and appreciated uh, that the, the purpose of this is to not necessarily achieve excellence, that's, that's like lighter fluid on a fire, but we want to be able to sustain excellence. 
And in order to do that, you have to move very precisely. And it's more so about getting with people at the right time, having the right information, listening first, serving their needs, and then nudging towards what you think whatever the process is needs to look like rather than imposing what I thought was best or what, what, what I thought needed to be done. You know, I, I certainly have grown a lot in terms of being patient and adding that precision. And so I think if I could look back, that would probably be uh, where I'd go because I wanted to come in and do a good job. And so you have that ambition, you have that fire, you have that enthusiasm, and it's a great thing when uh, appropriated properly. And, uh, and if it's not, it can, it can be frustrating for people that you're working with. And, and I'm a little bit more aware of that now as I've, as I've gone here for a while. This next one is a two part question, really. Do you have a code of behaviors at the Royals? And if so, how are you able to champion and celebrate those people who embody those behaviors? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I hope that I'm living a lot of those values. You know, Dayton Moore, our president, has a saying that's even plastered on the wall as, as we walk in, that all of our success is tied together. And I think that's a really important perspective to have, that number one, none of us are at this alone. So like we're allowed to make mistakes. And we're allowed to have other people uplift us. And uh, we're also accountable to helping other people and uplift them. And and that value system is really a thread that is is really strong here. And that's what makes the culture with the Royals so special. And that's why I've been so fortunate to have this chapter in my professional life, because it's it's been rewarding to learn that value system, learn that culture. And uh, and now proceed with my career, kind of knowing what all the good that comes from having your success tied to other people and being a good teammate means. And John, you've already touched upon this, but how and in what ways do the Royals create leadership opportunities for staff members? Um, so I, I think that people get a lot of latitude to lead themselves. And that's a really powerful thing. Uh, when you've got empowerment in place, when you've got accountability in place, and you've got clarity in what things need to be developed and how to develop them. Uh, so we, we've done a lot in terms of providing a framework, uh, mostly like with the S&C side, which I'm involved with. And we, we provide them, we, we call it targeted development. And we, we provide them feedback on a quarterly basis. And then on the back end of that, we provide them recommendations and resources for how they can develop. And so once they've learned not only on the technical side and the things that they need to shore up with on that side, but once they've really learned to learn, once they've really learned to develop themselves, that can take you into the next step in learning how to lead people. And the Royals are a great example uh, in terms of facilitating that because a lot of the people that are in our leadership positions, myself included, came in in a different role and uh, worked their way up through that empowerment, through that accountability, through that uh, development track. And so um, that, that's a really huge testament to Dayton and JJ and, 
and uh, Austin Driggers, who uh, is our senior director of performance science here. You know, the, all of those opportunities are because we had those things in place. Right. So it's not just those traditional skills. You're able to provide training in those softer skills and measure development in those areas as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if we narrow this to being a good strength conditioning coach, yes, there's program design and all of those things. But one thing, and we we have wonderful players, so this isn't targeting anybody specifically here, but one of the things that you've got to do as a strength conditioning coach is learn how to deal with challenging players. It's a long season. It's very stressful. Not everyone's in a great mood every day and it takes a lot of tact to be able to work with players to get them what they need on a given day to prepare to not only play that day but to sustain that level of play throughout the course of a season and so there's a lot that we uh, try to provide feedback to our coaches on on the soft skills uh, side of things Uh, whether that's um, having a sense of purpose being able to have difficult conversations being able to laterally integrate between departments. Uh, those are all things that require a great deal of soft skill and, and are pivotal in success in these roles. And, and they're, they're transferable to other disciplines too. I just use S&C as an example there. And if you reflect on the last 12 months or so, what do you feel has been your biggest performance challenge? Has it been in fact emerging from the pandemic? Yeah, 2021 certainly presented a lot of challenges to us and and really pointed out a lot of process improvements that we could make. Uh, You know, you have the 2020 COVID season coming off of that in 2021, especially on the player development side, because there was no minor league season in 2020. And so when you're given that year to roll out new processes, refine old ones and put them in place in 2021, that gives you a good um, kind of ground by which to evaluate those new processes, those refined processes. So really what we've done in the past 12 months is seen what we can learn, uh, what things were valuable to us, what things worked well, what things didn't. Um, and I work with a great team, uh, Austin Driggers and Brittany Bozzini and Jared Abel, Erica Wincheski, Ryan made a bunch of people across other discipline that just allow us to do that and allow us to support players in new and innovative ways. And was it difficult for those players who, I guess, lost a year? Oh, gosh, yeah. The, the, one of the most precious things in sport is the career of the player. There's only one. It's such a fleeting period of time in their lives that to lose a year, I, I, and I feel for the college student-athletes too um, because it, it affected them. The professional player, obviously, all got a year older and they lost a lot of development opportunities that would otherwise be there. Or the players that are in the major leagues, they lost a year of such a storied career. To be a major league player is such a a rare occurrence in itself that it, it breaks my heart that they had to have that lost season or a partial season as as part of that. But all we can do is try to do we can do our best on the back end of that to help them make up that ground. But certainly it's, it's heartbreaking that that had to occur for so many athletes across, not only in baseball, but across a lot of different sports. Back to the conversation in a moment, but first a word about our main partners, Kaiser. For over 40 years, Kaiser has been at the cutting edge of the fitness industry. 
Kaiser Strength products utilize pneumatic technology and dynamic variable resistance, which allows the user to build strength at any speed. And it offers an unrivaled opportunity to work towards any training goal. Kaiser's cardio products are smooth, silent, compact, and designed with the user in mind. Built with Bluetooth integrated technology, the simplistic yet striking design offers unmatched user longevity. Simply put, Kaiser Equipment raises the bar in elevating human performance for everyone. If you'd like to hear more, then please get in touch with the leaders team, who will be delighted to introduce you to the right person at Kaiser. Alternatively, visit kaiser.com to find out more. And now, back to the conversation. And you mentioned at the top of our conversation about the integration of technology. How and in what ways do you work to integrate technology in baseball? I'm curious for an oversight of how that looks. If you can paint a picture for me. Yeah, I mean, there's so many options that I think our role is first tasked with deciding which ones to bring in, uh, which is a pretty daunting task in itself. I mean, there's not only on the, the technical side of it that is this technology reliable? Is it measuring what it says that it's measuring? And how well is it doing that? Like there, there's that side of it, but there's also this internal, um, not only within our department, but uh, across all the departments that we support and at the player level that we would be ready, willing, and able to deploy this technology and to leverage the data that it provides us to help our players. And so um, we've, we've got to be pretty strategic and even if we really believe in a technology on when the right time is uh, to, to bring that in, we haven't gotten it right by any means all the time, um, but we are pretty careful uh, with, with the timing and, and to give ourselves a little bit of a window even to pilot a technology to make sure that the feasibility is there and the buy-in is there and, and that that's going to be impactful. So that that's really what we're tasked with doing whenever we integrate a new piece of tech. Yeah, I've heard stories of teams buying a newfangled device and it sits collecting dust on a shelf somewhere in their facility now because it didn't integrate with their plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens. And that, but that's technology gets that bad reputation in a sense because it's very tangible and it's visible. Yeah, you see the, the stuff in the closet that's collecting dust, but it's a problem across really anything that you do. Um, There are processes that you build five years ago that are metaphorically collecting dust that you're not revisiting, that you're not leveraging the way that you once were. And that can sometimes speak to evolution of the org and those processes that that's now obsolete, but it can also mean that you're not extracting the value that exists from some of these processes or some of these uh, employees or, you know, anything like that. Like the the technology is just the most tangible example and we can easily point to it because it sits in a closet, but really the same mentality that we have in terms of evaluating, is this doing what we think that it's doing? Is it doing it well? Is it feasible? All of those are questions that we can ask about a lot of different areas within the support that we provide. And in terms of player development, do you feel that players are better informed and better educated in terms of their own self-development than at any point in the history of the game? Uh, I think that's fair. 
I mean, with the amount of information that is accessible to them and is collected on them and their on-field performance and their preparation and things like that, yeah, it's they're very informed. Um, they're also the most evaluated group of players that has ever existed just because all this information exists. So it's, it's, um, you know, we try to keep that in mind too, to have a level of empathy for them. Like their, their playing career looked a lot different than mine in terms of the information that they have access to, but also that they're evaluated upon and, and things like that. So at the end of the day, on the player development side, we're here to help them use whatever information that is uh, to reach the, to help them reach their ceiling. And that that's different for certain guys and how they interact with that information is different, but we try to be pretty diligent in at least providing them either the support or the education or the access that they need to, to reach the ceiling that they have as a player. And from time to time, do players come up with questions that genuinely challenge you? Some kind of question that just makes you think, hmm, I can't actually answer that one right now. Oh, absolutely. At the end of the day, our best ideas come from staff and players. Like these are geniuses in baseball. Scouts are geniuses in baseball and in player evaluation and talent identification. And the players have, they're the only ones that are taking in a game from the perspective that they are taking it in from. And the coaches have decades of a career of experiential knowledge from their own playing careers. And so to not have our questions generated from those pools of people is pretty nonsense. Like to think that we have the best questions to ask is, is just not reasonable. I, I played, but not anywhere close to the level that they did. They, uh, they are really special people and they are geniuses at this game. And they ask really good questions that make us confront a lot of our quote unquote truths that we hold dearly. Um, but that's, that's really ultimately how we can better serve them. And that's what we're here for. So every day is a school day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that, that's, what's really rewarding about baseball. It, it's, it's evolving so quickly. There's, there's so much good information coming in and so many different ways to approach player development and optimizing performance that it's been really a rewarding challenge for me just to try to keep up. Absolutely. And do you find that coaches now more than ever before go to you and feel that they can have that conversation about player development, that they look upon you as a resource available to them? Yeah. I, again, it, it goes back to the statement from Dayton that all of our success is tied together. Um, we're all accountable to our own professional development and our education. But at the end of the day, it takes a village. There's a lot of really good people to learn from here. Um, and as a result of that, it'd be irresponsible if we didn't try to provide as much support in that area as we possibly could. And COVID actually provided us a great platform by which to launch some internal education initiatives that are still ongoing. Um, and Austin Driggers, was really, really good in putting together a, a kind of catalog of YouTube videos, short snippets. He and I would record these videos of just things that we all needed to be on the same page with. And uh, and a lot of that was rooted in player development. A lot of that was rooted in uh, optimizing performance and even just general lifestyle 
choices too, like how to get better sleep and and things in that area and that space. And so, yes, all, all of those things are very important and a, and a big piece of the support we try to provide is coach education. And a big question for us at the moment here at Leaders is diversity and how it is a strength at any organization. But what about at the Royals? I assume diversity is championed and celebrated at a staff level, but what about the players, where you can have Americans on the roster next to Latin players, for example? They must learn from each other too, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, they do. I, I grew up in a town called Rock Island, Illinois, uh, and that upbringing really allowed me to appreciate the value of diversity and that is all throughout baseball. You have diversity uh, in so many different ways, too, that it provides such a unique landscape for players and for staff and myself to to learn from different lifestyles, from different cultures, from different, you know, just ways of thinking. And, and that's such a rewarding experience. And there isn't really a place in the universe, I guess, that bringing diverse people, bringing diverse thought doesn't yield better outcomes. If we look at how innovation happens, it's always bringing diversity to the forefront and allowing that to be a a very heavily weighted driver. And so I love the diversity of baseball and I love the opportunity that our players have to learn from people really all over the world. The um, there's people from, yes, the Latin American countries and the domestic players, but we have players from Netherlands and from uh, Japan and, you know, so many different places. Uh, baseball is a worldwide game, and uh, that's really, really special. And how do you see or how do you imagine player development to keep evolving in the next five to ten years? It's another really good question. I think that... The two things, this is going on currently. So I think that the the way that player development will be reshaped is more the refinement of these things. But individualizing training, both on the skill side and the physical side and medical side, all of these areas, behavioral side, the individualizing training will be a huge one. The other way that I see player development evolving again is occurring, but it just takes time to integrate all these disciplines together and have those ingredients come together to really work cohesively towards player development. So I I think as we get better at individualization and we get more refined, in how we can bring these disciplines together towards individualization. Those two components together are so powerful and they, I'm really excited to see how it helps players and staff alike moving forward. I think that's a brilliant place to wrap things up. John, thank you so much for your time today. Yes, sir. Thank you. This was fun.